0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Digital Future. Here in a video today with me I have my good friend and flatmate Matt Alexander. Matt, hello. Hi. And you're here today to have a deep dive into the US election. We're having a bit more of a less opinions-based video here today and more of a actual facts and numbers stuff. So that's why I have Matt here because this is not my sort of stuff normally.
1: So essentially we're going to walk through the 2016 election, the 2018 midterms and the presidential election that's what nine days away now. And then looking at three key factors, three demographics, really. It's uh, whites without a college degree and voter uh, conversion, really, There turnout of minorities and demographic drift. Mm. Just three key factors, which you can then look at each result through this prism and hopefully it should show you sort of the, the result that Probably will happen.
0: But before we just jump into here, as you can see on the screen right now, basically no one who watches these videos listens to these podcasts is actually subscribed. So if you want to try and support the channel, you're enjoying what you're listening to, why not just hit the little button down there? Even if you're not going to watch anything else, it would be be nice. You know, huh? Give me a nice little boost for my day. Give me a subscriber. We just recently hit 100, so, you know, if we want to try and get to 200, that'd be really nice. Anyway, enjoy the video. So before we dive into any of these topics, so why have you chosen these specific... um demographics and what do you mean by demographic drift
1: really the first question of course is why did trump win in 2016 as the democrats won in 2012 so that's sort of the natural starting point and if you look at the changes there aren't many Let's start with the uh the misconceptions of 2016 mm-hmm. was that it was not a realignment election there was no great paradigm shift you know um the democratic base voted democrat the republican vote base <laughs> voted Republican Trump got Republican voters mostly to vote for him, like there was no magic involved. Trump doesn 't understand the American people any better than any other uh, presidential candidate previously had, <sighs> and nor did he win a huge majority. He lost the popular vote and only scraped the electoral vote. you know Wisconsin was uh, the tipping point and he won that by 0 point seven seven percent Why is that? Obviously something did change and Firstly, white working class voters, they voted, they always vote Republican, I think, since Ronald Reagan. They've always voted Republican, but this margin has been widening over many years and then widened particularly so in 2016. So that's one key reason. As everyone knows, that's not a, it's not a big secret. White working mm-hmm. class voters voted for Trump, and that was a swing. Um, and it, then black voters didn't turn out as said in 2012, that's no surprise really when you're electing and re electing the first black president. Mm. Of course, there's going to be a higher turnout. And then, thirdly, is demographic drift, which has been spoken about since 2008, actually, um, the coalition of the ascendant. So, that is, there's always going to be, or for the foreseeable future, there's going to be more Hispanic voting every election, mm. fewer white voters throughout a college degree every election, and more educated votes um and more minorities so that is that was sort of a little bit of democrat complacency you could say is that they thought they had a demographic destiny of governance and that's a factor that's actually maybe the most interesting of the three in terms of misconceptions about it because they're very much because that happened you know in 2016 she did benefit from that's clinton did benefit from demographic drift but just not in the midwest sure i
0: think it's, it's one thing, you know, when you look online, you see people talking about um, 2016. It almost seems like it's sort of destroyed everyone's trust in the polls. You know, any time a poll comes out in support of anyone, someone says, well, don't forget 2016. How is it? Is this just a massive, I guess, like uh, misconception that the polls were just completely wrong and that they just don't prove anything because of 2016? Or uh, Is there more to it?
1: So there's, there's obviously some truth in that because mm. um, Trump's victory was a surprise. But it wasn't a huge surprise, I think. So they got the popular vote right, really, the average polls. They mm-hmm. thought I think they thought Clinton had a, a three point victory and as you can see it was a two point victory. So that's you know, that I think that's an acceptable error from pollsters. But mm-hmm. they did get state polls, especially in the Midwest, they did get them quite badly wrong. And the main reason for that was so whites usually vote in um well they usually move together. So though less educated whites have voted Republican more than educated whites since Ronald Reagan. They usually swing together. So if, if more white educated voters are voting for Romney than they did for McCain, you'd expect less educated white voters to do the same. Whereas what you saw in 2016 was um, white educated voters particularly liked Clinton, whereas white uh, voters without a college degree, particularly like Trump. So you saw a splintering of the white votes. Whereas in polling, they would say, oh, this is what we've got from whites. So this is how white people have moved in this election, which is wrong because they splintered. So that's saw in particular areas where you had a large white working class, you saw they got that awfully wrong. So that's, I think, as you see here, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, they were all expected to be fairly comfortable Clinton states by about five percentage points, and as you can see, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. So, but they fixed it. Obviously, I mean, <laughs> I, if someone gets something wrong, they do fix them. So, yeah. As per usual, pollsters—they're not stupid. they you can trust them to a certain degree, but obviously, always there's going to be a, a different factor because we might be talking two weeks going. How did they underestimate the white educated voters this time or mm. whatever every every time they've got to do some educated guesswork in terms of mm. modeling
0: do, do you think there is going to be a comparison drawn from what we've seen in 2016 to what we could potentially see in uh, in about i guess nine days from recording
1: yeah so i talked about this a bit later on in that
0: oh no spoilers
1: yeah so in turnout i think is a big question mark this year mm. because you saw record turnout in 2018 and you expect record turnout in 2020, but it's so hard to tell this year because early voting has usually been a really good predictor. Obviously, lots of people now are early voting because of COVID. Mm. You don't know which voters are new and which voters are just switching methods. It's so important to remember how unpopular Clinton was as well. As I mentioned earlier, when you look at 2016, it's easy to paint Trump as a mastermind, but actually he was... Economic conditions were favourable, sort of fundamentals were favourable for a Republican president. He mm-hmm. was against the least popular Democratic nominee ever. <laughs> and he just won.
0: Yeah, very, very just.
1: Yeah, so there's no, uh, you know, there's no, there's no <laughs> magic behind it. It's mm-hmm. quite simple. Um, yeah, so that's black voters falling uh, in turnout. Uh, and then next you've got the whites without a college degree, which obviously got the most media highlight as well in the election. Um, so they made up 44% of all voters. So That's a huge share of the vote, which I think people don't fully anti- recognise. So that's almost half the voters are white people without a college degree. Wow. And now I think that was that steady from 2012. People expected it to drop. But I think because they increased turnout and obviously, as I mentioned, black voters turned out less, actually stayed steady. Because it's also the fastest decreasing demographic. It used to be I think in nineteen eighty it was eighty percent of all voters were whites without college degree, now wow. it's all pitched And then they they voted sixty four percent for Trump compared to sixty one percent for Romney. So again, he didn't sort of change the paradigm we're working in. He gained three points from Romney. <laughs> mm-hmm. But particularly so in this rust belt, as you can see the swing here in Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania. And um, I think it's interesting to think why, particularly, and that's where you've got many theories, is why did Trump appeal to these whites without a college degree more so? Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: obviously you've got economic reasons like the industrial decline. Sure. um, Whereas Obama and now Biden can talk about their package to save the automobile industry. Clinton didn't have that Mm -hmm. back up. And then you've got sort of the, the sociological loss of status. So the guaranteed jobs, the sort of the classic American now that isn't looked as fondly. I don't think American culture looks as fondly among whites without a college degree. And then race, obviously, has been a big factor in the analysis. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know if that's something you want to speak on. As I
0: think um, it's an interesting one um, why this, this group... You know, it is it is an increasingly sort of like important one, especially in the areas where like it very much matter for Trump, you know, breaking down the sort of like blue wall. Um, and I think it is, it is a multitude of factors. I think there's a lot of studies which suggest that like um, economic uncertainty is a motivator for, or an enhancer of um, issues such as like racism in great life. Cause it is, well, my life sucks. Who do I blame? And I uh-huh. think that um, at least in terms of if you're looking at purely political rhetoric, I think it is one of the biggest failings of the Clinton campaign was a message of, oh, four more years. Four more years of Obama, we're doing the same thing, we're keeping it going. Whereas, um, Trump was like, well, no, 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 I'm shaking things up, we're doing something new, we're doing something different. And I think that is something that might struggle in this election, because he is now, you know, he can't be the one to shake things up. I think it's also kind of similar to, like, um, sort of the Brexit argument, where it's like, Remain's point was, oh, but things are good now, aren't they? You don't want to make it worse. And some will look at themselves and they'll go, things aren't good now. Yeah. So surely I'll go for the person who's sort of doing something different you know
1: yeah and obviously famously Clinton didn't visit Wisconsin in her okay. whole campaign yeah. so I think that sort of exacerbates the feeling they don't care about us
0: yeah
1: but um yeah it's interesting because obviously Trump played into it it's, it's uh, sort of economic uh, nationalism which it, yeah. again people I think often think this is something completely against Republican traditions but I think it was George Bush put on steel tariffs, um, Reagan had plenty of economic nationalism. they're not necessarily the party of Adam Smith and Ricardo. Um, they've got a long history of being economic nationalists as well. So it's just yet more evidence that Trump's not a paradigm shifter, but rather he's a different tool that I think Republicans use to get their message across.
0: I think in terms of like electoralism, and when you sort of look at the data, like when you talk about Trump, a lot of people talk to him as like, oh, he struck lightning. You know, he 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 figured out what the American people wanted. Where well, like when we really look down at it, you know, you, you made a great point where it is it is someone running against like the least popular Democrat candidate in history, favorable economic conditions, like everything fell in line, and he only just won. And it required some electoral college, you know, messing with, and it required like all of these things, and he still loses popular vote. It really does kind of show you how. I guess, like, less sure that, um, that his victory really was. I think a lot of the time, you know, because it was a surprise and because everyone hates Hillary Clinton, it's sort of just assumed that, oh, he won a massive mandate, King, yeah. never mind, fair enough.
1: Yeah, it's just about he's a Republican that was fairly a normal Republican in terms of his results, in terms of his demographics. Mm. You know, you can't emphasise enough how the election was a normal election in terms of, demographics in terms of who voted for who, which states are swing states. There was... Democrats in particular, I think, depicted, especially in the primaries this year, that Trump was this juggernaut who, you know, if you put Mayor Pete in a debate with him, Trump would tear him apart. Clinton won every debate Mm. in 2016. And now Biden has beaten him in every debate in 2020. And yet, I think... He's a bit of a, he haunts Democrats, despite the fact he won very largely an election that was hugely favoured to him. I think but, it,
0: it almost like plays into sort of like uh, the fears are of Democrats, because I think the, the Republican and the Democrat Party are very different sort of models. I feel like because the Democrats generally appeal to a wider base of people. There are more Democrats than Republicans generally in America. Um, so they're more about, OK, how do I like how do we expand sort of getting these sort of people who kind of like us, but not really them to turn up? Whereas the Republicans are, oh, we we don't have you know a large number of votes. We have a large number. We have an army, basically of people who uh-huh. would, like who will burn stuff down if we tell them to. So how do we get enough of this? Just get these people out. We're going to turn out. How can we get some votes, but then also stop theirs and like sort of down, sort of guess, create obstacles and convince people not to turn out. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and I think. I think the issue with Democrats there also is many Democrats in Washington, for instance, they don't really understand, you know, the white-class voters from mm-hmm. the Rust Belt. And I think that's also an issue is, cause you had it with Brexit here too, is if you can't, if you don't understand someone, so they, as you can tell by the, the way Democrats reacted in 2016, they really didn't get why these people would vote for Trump rather than Democrats. And right. I think if you don't know something, then you Mm. sort of are even more scared of, you know, how do you, how do you talk to these people? Yeah. Whereas as this analysis shows, they're quite, you know, white working, uh, white working class voters are motivated by very similar things to any other demographic, you know, their identity, their material interests, their ideological preferences. They're not, you know, they're not a special group in that sense.
0: I think um, it's one thing I think we've seen in the two campaigns is, you know, Hillary Clinton's sort of reaction to not understanding this group, was you know deplorable it was oh these people were just we can't really reach them whereas i think biden has been more successful and especially in the debate especially in the most recent one at trying to appeal to your more like i guess you'd call them average person like i think a particular comment last night that i thought really sort of would reach beyond you know i guess like a minor republican person would be like for example when he said um about covid where it was like oh you're trying to tell people to live like with it people are dying with it like and then sort of uh-huh. this is a this is a statement which like someone who would slightly like trump would go oh wait a minute you know it's a good way of standing out of them rather than just leaning into the narrative of oh the democrats are all you know super rich fancy pelosi buys 500 hundred dollar ice cream scoops mm-hmm. and like doesn't care about you where biden's like no no no, i'm trying uh-huh.
1: here yeah and i think it's interesting that i don't want to jump too far ahead into 2020 but biden also as a long-running sensor he he has more links to the time where Democrats were the party of trade unions, when trade unions were more sure. important. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's more part of the trade union left, which is less um, interested in race and gender and more interested in economic conditions in the workplace, mm-hmm. which is more attractive to whites without a to degree. And I think that's, that's quite an interesting schism in the left across the world is the is the old school left which has many issues with it in terms of gender, mm-hmm. race, uh, xenophobia, many other things but yeah. they did manage to reach to these rights without a college degree and now democrats that's something they failed on for now you know 30 years, a generation basically. Mm-hmm. So the demographic drift is, I mentioned it a little bit earlier but it's mm-hmm. The idea that exactly, essentially that demographic changes in the country, so that's more Hispanics, younger people, more educated people, will lead to a huge democratic wave that's going to be unassailable with the current Republican Party. Mm-hmm. And you did see that. That's the interesting thing in 2016 is that you did actually see that in Arizona and Texas. They both were the only states apart. I think Utah did as well, but that's obviously a Mitt, Rom- Mitt Romney Mormon effect. Sure. Um, Arizona and Texas both swung towards Clinton in 2016. So that's, um, that sort of shows that there is there is something happening there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, look, the Texas sums it up is Texas share of vote that is white without college degree it was 34% compared to 44% nationally. So there is something there. But obviously, it's an election too early in both Arizona and Texas. Arizona now, I think, in this election is a lean Democrat state. And then Texas is obviously the big, everyone knows, mm-hmm. Texas is probably lean Republican right now. But yeah. Democrats are hopeful.
0: There are talks about uh, a switch, which I think would be absolutely insane in terms of like you know modern electoral politics. Yeah. It's like, especially I think less, I guess like less you know numbers wise, and more like colloquially, Texas is considered like you know the Republican state. That and like yeah. Alabama, so it would be quite exciting mm-hmm. to see such a major um, you know state in terms of delegates switch mm-hmm. uh, to Democrat.
1: I think what's key here though is that demographic drift isn't a strategy. It's like yeah. an exogenous <laughs> effect on you. Mm-hmm. so you can't rely on that because yeah. this has been a thing that's always existed in uh, i think in the 1960s people analyzed the uk election results and said oh the young are voting for voting for labor the toys are gone and that's mm-hmm. you know <laughs> 60 years later the toys definitely haven't gone so in in 10 years time if if there's more Hispanics and, you know, fewer white working class voters, the Republican Party is not going to go defunct. They'll yeah. just change their message. they have to change, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, so, that's, so, yeah. That's, that's basically what they tried to do before Trump. I can't remember what the document was called, but it was the one mm-hmm. after Romney lost where, like, yeah. championed by Rubio and like, Ted Cruz was like, right, how do we change our appeal? We can't just rely on the white working class voter. And then suddenly someone just came in and was like, nope, we're not changing. If anything, we, you know, we're hitting harder on these points and pushing further in that direction.
1: Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, that definitely all happened, didn't it? I remember very much about uh, like we're happy with the Tory Party in the two thousands, and mm. I remember thinking exactly the same things happening with the Republicans. Yeah. In and then the, obviously the twenty sixteen Republican primaries, which was mm. a special event mm. in terms of chaos bigotry i miss it. toxic masculinity <laughs> uh stupidity i think that's mm. my favorite way of the 2010s has surely got to be the when they were calling out all the candidates in the Republican mm. primary and they were all coming out in the wrong order and,
0: oh that was amazing they're all standing there like "Who's wasted. going first. yeah um, i just yeah. love when you can look at like the sort of the the i guess um like over time, you see Trump from like the outskirts of the thing basically sitting in the audience to slowly moving until he's oh. sitting right there in the middle calling Marco Rubio small.
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, and it, yeah, it was, uh, he, he very much managed to swallow up each candidate individually. Mm. Um, I which guess- I think is interesting when you compare the 2016 Republican primaries to the 2020 Democrat primaries mm. in terms of how the party very much stopped Sanders in the beginning yeah. of March this year. You had, I think it was about three candidates pulled out at once essentially saying we've picked Biden, get yeah. on with it. Um, which might be a lesson from 2016. Yeah. The t- so demographic drift is drifting to Democrats, but it's not a strategy. You can't rely on it. And in 2016 yeah. it was too early essentially because I was only in Texas. I think, well, if you flip Texas, uh, I think that gives Democrats 270 votes exactly in the electoral wow. college now so obviously it's too early i think arizona they lost by about two points texas mm-hmm. about six or seven yeah. points even more i think mm-hmm. um so yeah it's it's true there's a demographic drift it happens slowly though and you can't base a strategy on sure. or oh, just wait yeah, yeah, wait yeah, until yeah. you've got enough people but <laughs> so this is the, the, sort of the lessons is um it wasn't realigning trump was a good candidate. Kind of, well he was less bad than clinton's probably the trump. right way to put it white shifted the rust belt low turnout amongst African Americans meant that Democrats lost voters there and then Democrats drifted not quick enough and that's sort of the three the three main things that I think mm-hmm. the Democrats probably looked at after 2016 and said how do we sure. how do we change these three factors how do we appeal more to whites without college degrees how do we get turnout amongst African Americans and also Hispanics too mm-hmm. um, and also, demographic drift is very similar to that in the sense that lots of you know, Hispanics are turning 18 every day, but they're not registering to vote. So, mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So 2018 midterms, moving on now, where are we?
1: There's a five-point swing to Democrats. So I think they won by seven points um, oh. compared to two points in 2016. So a big, big victory for Democrats. Didn't seem so, but that's gerrymandering for you. Um, high turnout. So they also huge turnout um 1914 wow yeah uh it was still less than 16, but obviously midterms um yeah. generally obviously. and then so if the result was uh, reflected it'd be 296 electoral votes for democrats so that's only a slight victory but a victory nonetheless sure. in the presidential election um, so they actually improved support. It's it's almost a great argument for uniform national swing in that if you're more competent than the other party, everyone's just going to vote for you a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. But the
1: young, in particular, turned out in twenty uh, eighteen where they hadn't in twenty fourteen, and men in, as well, um, educated men especially voted mm-hmm. Democrat more likely, and they had very strong results in the Rust Belt. So that's quite interesting in terms of the electoral map. Mm-hmm. But they obviously lost. I think they lost a the governorship and a Senate race in Florida. And obviously, the Senate race with Beto and Ted Cruz in <laughs> was it And now we lost. So it was a loss, but it was mm-hmm. to sort of a point about turnout. Yeah. But also, if you think of that as an experiment where you go, if we could get the most energized campaign against a very unpopular man, yeah. can we win Texas? And the answer is no. I, it's a, so. I think that's the best way to frame it is actually It was a great result for Democrats, but they put their best performance in the race.: True, a long Yeah. Time and they and they still can't win it so why would you think you can yeah. in
0: 2020 it's interesting there was like there was massive media buzz behind him beto was like i guess he was before the primaries so he was definitely one of the sort of like younger voices that everyone's talking about like him Corey book and the sort of names that people were caring about for the future and it, after that it, it, it did seem like like you described like a we've put everything into this and it hasn't worked out maybe we need to move our focus somewhere else especially considering the 2016 you know, loss of a heartland voter support
1: yep so if you can move to white's polish degree which when you're mapping in your head in terms of electoral votes this is a huge factor in the rust belt so mm-hmm. there's a, there was a swing back so still a huge loss in terms of 21 points but it's the same as the 2012 presidential election that margin and 10 points better than 2016 so what I'm saying is we can sort of go back to being very bad with these voters, but not bad enough to lose. Sure. Um, and again, it stays very steady. So when we look at the turnout surge, non-college voters also turn out for Trump, which is a very interesting thing when you mobilise your base, is you also alienate others, which can then be energised by the other party. Mm-hmm. So 2018 was a referendum on Trump and that energised everybody across the board really because it was such a, a partisan matter.
0: Mm-hmm. Is this an attitude that you could continue to, to 2020, just purely being a, like a, um, a referendum on Trump in this same sort of sweep in increasing demo, in demographics of like, you know, turnout and stuff? Or do you think that there, there have been some, do you think there have been any factors that sort of tried to, or like not tried to, but do you think there have been any factors that sort of thrown this off? Uh, well,
1: I think, I think 2018 was more of a referendum on Trump's personality. Mm-hmm. And 2020 is more of a referendum on Trump's competence because COVID has yeah. sort of focused minds on terms of yeah. There's been a real in-your-face, massive,
0: yeah. you know. I had um, Benjamin Dixon on the podcast the other day, American um, political pundit, and journalist, and he like he compared it to like V Vendetta, where like eighty thousand people died from a disease, and then there was a revolution. Where like yeah. you look at the United States, there has been two hundred thousand, and you know. You can see how that would be a motivator for a lot of people who normally wouldn't be that bothered.
1: The turnout remained low amongst Hispanic and African Americans. So, though turnout increased, it was white college educated, particularly in the suburbs. So, there's lots of talks about sort of soccer moms, which we don't have <laughs> in
0: England. But yeah, your wine mums.
1: Yeah, the, you know, moms who just think Trump's a bit distasteful. Yeah, they think he's a bit
0: rude. Uh, let's go, you know, Kloppertcha.
1: Yeah, but the notable exceptions, interestingly, is in Texas, obviously with Beto, managed to mm-hmm. turn out huge numbers. I think, and what I think of the turnout in Texas was comparable, if not bigger in 2018 than 2016, really? which is just madness. I know Beto got more votes than Clinton, um, which is really interesting. But, uh, and then Georgia was, um, that was an important uh, Senate race, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe again, that's,
0: Oh, sorry, you finish.
1: Again, Democrats got very close in Georgia due to increased turnout, which is mm-hmm. again interesting in terms of the uh, demographic drift.
0: So you say, on the point of you know, you know, doing potentially better than like Clinton did in Texas, I think maybe part of that is that in 2016 they kind of saw this demographic drift and they went, "Oh, we actually had some success in Texas. We never tried Texas. There's not like it's been like a just a non like consideration for years now." So then they were like, "Okay, let's take 2018 as our shot. Let's see what we can do if we put one of our best candidates in there. We fund them loads, blah blah blah." as sort of an experiment and i guess maybe we can see that continuing to 2020.
1: yeah i think the thing is you've got to give a lot of credit to Beto in terms it was definitely bottom up in the sense of Beto took the bull by the horns Mm -hmm. and was very energized i don't think dnc had the texas senate race on the map at all until Beto i remember there there was a viral video wasn't there which was very corny but very american in the it was like his rehash of uh barack obama's there's oh no yeah States, there's not blue yeah States.
0: he's talking with his like thumb in his hand like that and he's going this is what yeah. we're doing.
1: yeah so and that blew him up and then mm-hmm. some money from across the country poured into mm. texas yeah uh, an interesting lesson maybe for them in the senate race this year is that they wasted a lot of money going for the let's get rid of ted cruz when maybe they could have poured the money into somewhere a bit more efficient in terms of funding which obviously with mitch mcconnell they're trying to yeah. get rid of him i think uh,
0: mcconnell's a big one that um i think there's starting to be some sort of democratic push to be like all right we've got to get rid of mcconnell because he is even by standards, he is one of the most like obstructionist people you'll ever see in any sense he's just like yeah. oh i don't like this now.
1: but yeah right. but my my point is kind of like maybe just pour your money into states you can win rather yeah than,
0: be a bit more realistic, I guess, rather than it's trying to just take out a big name because they're a big name. Yeah,
1: it's an interesting trade-off. For yeah. so the lessons, um, Catalyst, which is a data company that works for the Democrats in America, they actually calculate that 89% of the Democrat gain was due to voter conversion, not turnout or demographic wow. changes. So that shows very much that, firstly, Trump voters are convertible, mm-hmm. and secondly, that's how you get big swings. Because in some senses every voter you turn is worth twice as much as every voter that you gain from mm. non-voters because obviously yeah. Trump loses one too and it's it's very much more reliable every year progressives across the world say oh what we're going to do this year is we're going to turn out people that never voted before mm-hmm. and every year it doesn't happen <laughs> I think I think this 2018 midterms really shifted DNC in a direction of yes let's stick with orthodox campaigning rather than the changing, changing the demographic nature of uh, the country. This is a really interesting tweet I saw, actually. So this is about demographic drift that shows it is happening. So in the t- 11 counties that have a Whole Foods in Texas, they say walk one by 802,000 votes, but lost in all the others by over a million votes. Since then,
0: oh. in those counties,
1: they've, there's been 756,000 votes added, while the other Counties, uh, two hundred forty-three counties, mm-hmm. as to say, sorry, um, has just three hundred ninety-six has added just three hundred ninety-six thousand voters. <laughs> it just shows that there is definitely a demographic shift there. Yeah, and it, it's a really clever way of analysis mm-hmm. and analysing it by looking at sort of Whole Foods as a marker for the emerging sure majority, and then the last about conversion seems possible because the places where they shifted the most was. You know, seven points to Michigan, eight points to Wisconsin, ten points Pennsylvania—huge victories in those states. But they lost crucially in Arizona, Texas, and Florida.
0: I think, um, if I'm going to put my Alex Jones hat on, I think, um, when I read this stat, I would definitely be saying, "Oh, that's just because the Democrats—they're putting in those those GMO crops, they're making you making your vote burning and yeah. all that crap." Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I like that. I like that how it wins the ones with Whole Foods. I think that's hilarious. Yeah.
1: But um. Yeah, so it's an interesting sort of takeaway from 2018, if you cast your mind back, because AOC, there's, there's, there's lots of good news, but I think Florida hurts a lot because mm-hmm. Florida is the perennial swing state, um, but it's drifting more red over time, whereas you'd expect, obviously, with the demographic change, it'd be drifting mm-hmm. blue, because it was a wave year for the Democrats so They didn't take Florida, which was obviously bad news, and they didn't pick up Arizona or Texas but they did pick up the rust belt. So sure. the lesson DNC took away was definitely let's just stick with flipping, uh, white workers class mm-hmm. Um, which is it's obviously a little bit boring and yeah, fair, it's not, it's not they,
0: very sexy as campaigning goes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So each Democrat uh, candidate really had to pitch to the rust belt, um, black turnout mm-hmm. and demographic drift and this is what Biden basically said was I know the Rust belt I know white working-class voters they like me they owe me something after the automobile <laughs> bailout mm-hmm. um big questions over his popularity amongst African-Americans despite his link to Obama until the famous South Carolina primary where Jim Clyburn endorsed him and he mm-hmm. won a huge share of African-Americans yeah. like a really big share of African-Americans about I think it was over 80% voters for him and um that sort of the south carolina primary that basically decided the whole democratic primaries he proved to dnc he was amongst black people
0: mm.
1: and then he basically said the sun belt and wait it's too far away texas and whatever yeah, yeah yeah um but it's important to remember though that if you i think people think the anathema to biden is um bernie sanders and bernie sanders had a very similar pitch mm. he was uniquely liked by white working class voters. He had a huge support, a diverse base. And he, but he also thought he could probably increase turnout in Hispanics. So it's yeah. not, there wasn't really as much of a battle in the democratic primaries as I think people make out in terms of demographics, it was more ideas.
0: Yeah, sure. It's, it's a weird one when you look at sort of like um, in the primaries, why people voted for each candidate you know like for bernie it was always oh we like policies and things like that but then biden it was like the number one reason was always oh electoralism where like people became so scared of trump and they're so passionate about getting rid of him that the election sort of did became less about let's do something more about i will take you know our corpse just yeah. to have trump out of office for four years
1: yeah, I think that's a, a really int- it's really interesting how those ideas played out in 20, well 2019 and 2020 because you had such a fear of electoral ability and what that does really is that firstly, embeds the status quo and secondly, actually embeds sexist and racist attitudes because mm-hmm. the main attack from Hillary Clinton to Barack Obama all the way back in 2008 was, yeah, yeah it's great to have a black candidate but yeah too many races, so you'll yeah, never win exactly. and it was the same with elizabeth warren where the yeah, main yeah. issue i think in most democrat voters when they were asked about elizabeth warren was electoral ability yeah. when you know she's been a really popular i think she had had some of the hard yeah. to prove she was return. she was
0: in the lead of the primaries because she was miles yeah. ahead of basically everyone at one point and every, in terms every, of winning elections
1: she's she's obviously yeah. won elections she's yeah. in the Senate and she's a really popular man, member of the senate mm-hmm and by saying oh you've ended up picking a white man because yeah white, an man old one.
0: white guy yeah. who's been doing it for forever
1: and i think you, might, in, you know in six weeks time i think there might be a bit of a, a schism in the democratic party where they say hang on couldn't we have picked a lot more of a progressive liberal-minded person yeah because it you know if you look at the polling we were 10 points ahead if he won by six points with a lot more of a liberal minded politician, would that have made much difference? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so Biden, that was Biden's pitch and he had lots of different pitches, but his was mostly focused. He's from the Midwest himself, isn't he? The uh, the Rust Belt. Um, He's from the Rust Belt. He's, he gets white working class people. He's got that, you know, man of the people.
0: Mm. He's got
1: the same Trump feel where it's,
0: yeah, yeah, they kind of have well, the same um, appeal, but in very different ways. Like yeah. Trump feels like uh, you know you get into a taxi and this guy driving, you're like, oh, this guy's on cocaine, in like New York, where Biden feels like the nice guy who wears a baseball cap, at like you know, and yeah, yeah, no, at that's a funny. bar watching you know football all day. Like I, I, there is that field which I think plays quite well to a lot of people. When, yeah, I mean, you, when your alternative is like chaos and crazy and terrifying?
1: I think that would be a really good question for focus group, really. If, if Trump and <laughs> Biden were people in your life, who would they be? Because mm. I think I think Trump tries to, they're both very masculine yeah the tr- trump's like i look at me yeah. with my masculine in women different
0: ways i think like like yeah. trump's whole image is projecting strength and masculinity yeah and that is in a way that like, i will crush them we will win we will destroy where i think biden sort of does it in a more paternal way yeah. I, Uncle think Joe, pres- yeah I think he still really wants to present this sort of you know masculinity as a form of like oh you can trust me but he does it in much more of a like i'm like your granddad telling you oh it's yeah. all gonna be fine which is like weird but i think when you're looking at what the alternative is, can work, can play quite well, I think, with a lot of demographics.
1: Yeah, he reminds me of a sports coach, a volunteer <laughs> sports coach, you know? He's got that signed. He loves his sports, but he has... Sort of Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Have we got the demographics on um Biden's popularity of people with daddy issues?
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the question to ask. Um, but yeah, because you had, like, obviously, Beto's pitch was Hispanic voters. Texas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Mayor Pete was basically a young Joe Biden in terms of yeah. pitch—Young Biden,
0: Obama, uh, re kind of crossover. I think he yeah. just kind of sort of tried to play the middle ground.
1: Yeah, but exactly. So this is Biden here saying, "I can put back together the Obama coalition of, yeah. one of white voters and black, high black Turner." Mayor Pete had the same mm-hmm. Elizabeth
0: Warren's pitch. Um, it's it changed so much. I mean, it started very like kind of I'm Bernie, but I'm younger and I'm a woman, and then it's sort of as I think time went on, she became more establishment and kind of got to like the sort of Hillary Clinton um, arguments around yeah. like race where it's like, oh, you should vote for me because I'm a woman. This is yeah. big, groundbreaking, blah, blah, blah. Where like... Be... Sorry, sorry, go on.
1: Yeah, I think that would have been the worry for Elizabeth Warren was her demographic appeal was so similar to Hillary Clinton's in that she was very technocratic and sort of, as I said earlier, sexist attacks land on someone like elizabeth Warren, it's funny how it's not funny but it's interesting how yeah. w- women in politics really do need to fit a stereotype or they mm. get arrested out of politics if you look at joe swinton oh. in the in the uk she was really yeah. loud and a bit confident and she got slapped down as a, a swat mm-hmm. you know? um whereas if you look at Theresa may or merkel they come across as motherly yeah you know, it's it's, really it's, just- it's
0: it's like cold reserved rather than like they can't really play the bernie role which is like i'm here i'm yeah. loud i'm messing like i am here to shout at you And yeah, i think that yeah, is one of the big problems i think in sexism and politics yeah
1: and and so i think if you look at women who are elected they either have to be mothers or school teachers so <laughs> margaret that's obviously your headmistress, everyone would say and the <laughs> same with Nicola sturgeon um and clinton yeah, I get what uh, you mean. Warren didn't fit those yeah. and it's really interesting how what's your responsibility as a democrat finally vote do you, you know, do you fight these stereotypes and lose an election? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so then Biden won out with his pitch of white working class people get me, they owe me something. And then after South Skyline, finally, black people refuse to vote for me. And once you get the Rust Belt sorted, everything else called wait. was essentially his, uh, mm-hmm. his pitch. Mm-hmm. And then let's move on to the 2020 election. How is it going? So as I mentioned earlier, turnout is very hard to tell because Mm -hmm. which are additional votes and which voters are just changing their methods. The early voting has already overtaken all the early votes for 2016. So there's more early votes in 2020 already with nine or eight days to go than there was in 2016. Um, I think Texas has got around 70% of the votes already as compared to 2016. Um, And 538 predicts record highs since before World War II, just like 2018 um And but uh, this is the issue for pollsters: is who's turning out, where, what's yeah. the turnout? Turnout's well, going
0: out, but for who?
1: And also, what's interesting is amongst uh African Americans and Hispanics, they're actually less keen on Biden than they were for Clinton. Polling suggests. Really. But obviously, that's offset by increased turnout because if you're split breaking eighty-five percent for Clinton, then seventy-five percent for Biden you're still hugely in favour. So a big a 10% increase in turnout still adds on more votes for Democrats. But um, it's interesting. It's an interesting case. Here. And I think this is where the big polling question mark is, is what what, what turnout are you predicting? Mm-hmm. Um, and whose turns out? And that's why I think uh, it'll be interesting to look out for Georgia and Texas. That'll be the big... Sure. I think, I think that's where the most uncertainty is in the polling right now. North Carolina too, and Florida, but mostly, I think Georgia's a big one. I think Georgia's probably going to see the biggest swing of any of the states this election. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so Texas uh, is so uncertain because if this turnout surge is the classic sort of Democrat dream of Hispanics and the the rising uh, rising majority of the Mm young, you can see Texas turning blue, whereas... If it's not, then you'll be like, Oh, Texas is as expected, so who's turned out? Um, is it Trump's base? Well the good news for Biden is just turnout. If they voted early, they voted early while Biden's ahead by ten points. Whereas so if there's election yeah, yeah, okay, say, you know, something comes out of the October yeah. prize and on election day Biden's only leaving by four or five points. Sure. Well, we banked banked this, yeah. we banked half the election, mm-hmm. half the votes a week ago, because that hurt Clinton. Was obviously he had the, the Comey letter. Yeah. Uh, whereas maybe now, if we had as much early voting in twenty twenty as we did in 20, as we, if we had as much early voting in twenty sixteen as we did in twenty twenty, mm. Clinton might be our president just <laughs> because of the, the way yeah. things changed in the last week or so. Is, is it more democratic to have voting over a month or so than on a day? Yeah. I think quite possibly. Right, mm. like, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, and then uh, whites well, without college degree. So this is this is fantastic for Democrats. Sure. So Trump's margin of plus thirty nine in twenty sixteen is now just plus eleven, wow. which would be the worst performing results since famously Bill Clinton was very popular amongst white working class, mm-hmm. and that's. especially in women. So that was interesting. As we mentioned slightly just a few minutes ago, Trump's appeal was very masculine. Mm -hmm. And I think over time, maybe Biden's masculinity is more attractive to women and Trump's sexism maybe Mm -hmm. is less attractive to Trump's sort of um, personality of you know, it's like teenage masculinity, really. Yeah, it? it's
0: very locker room. Very like, it's 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 a projection of strength. That's all it is. It is a mm-hmm. I am powerful. Come on to me. Like I think I think a good example is that if you look on like a lot of conservative political cartoons, they always draw Trump or paint Trump as this like masculine Adonis with you know rippling muscles. Where you look at him in reality, and he's like fat and you know can barely mm-hmm. talk because of his you know throat burning up and like. Yeah. It's it's whereas I think with um, when you look at sort of Biden the way that he projects masculinity is a very different form. It is less almost fascistic. It's less like esoteric. It's more just like oh, I'm like a nice dad. You know, there's obviously still problems with it, but it's less overt and toxic.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then this shift can clearly be seen in the Rust Belt, where 538's prediction in fairness it was almost identical to this in 2016, (laughs) but clearly shows that in the rust belt they look like the democrats are back in business
0: sure
1: um see this is the main story so far of biden's so has been his his power at converting mm-hmm. um whites without college degrees because whites with college degrees are actually i think static or slightly leaning towards trump this election compared to so they've swung away from democrats
0: mm-hmm.
1: whereas so- whites come rapidly in towards democrats
0: so if we're going to see another 2016 result, will it be in these sort of three places that you point out, that like, you know, the 538 uh, made their predictions in, is it, is it going to be in the Rust Belt?
1: Well, the thing is they've, they obviously, so now they, I think not all pollsters, but almost every pollster actually waits for education now as well. So no. that error has gone. Sure. So these okay. predictions now are accounting for... So that's 16. the
0: improvement they've made that you, that you pointed out Yeah. Error.
1: Sure. So, I mean, what what more it's so hard <laughs> to predict what's going to be the thing they get wrong because if we knew what they were going to get wrong they yeah. didn't get it wrong so <laughs> i in the russell i i can't really think of you know in terms of what demographic are they going to be underweight and that's going to benefit republicans
0: mm-hmm. sure sure
1: You know, if anything that like once you fix an issue you think you're far more likely to Overstate the fix and understate it, aren't you? Yeah, of
0: course, of course.
1: And um, what's interesting though is that they actually lots of pollsters were underrating the Democrats in 2012 and then ended up doing mm, the offering yeah. in 2016. So there's a bit of a cycle of overcorrection. Mm. Um, oh, I mean, voter suppression or lost mail in ballots or, yep, you lost. know, I think Pennsylvania is a bit of a state of concern in that sense because their, their voting laws means their results kind of come in late compared to all the other states sure. you can see trump messing that up yeah i think a big uh,
0: concern is that if it's close at all uh trump is you know really sort of implanted a lot of power in courts in local courts obviously there's every you know supreme court of the states there's lots of republican control and it will just come down to a bush v gore thing where they go oh he wins
1: yeah it's actually, but in terms of polling, I just don't, you know, if they fix this error,
0: then what, which, which yeah. one is left, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to take that little clip there. And when we see the results, I will be, if, if, if Trump wins, I will be sharing that everywhere. I don't see what error there could be. I mean. Well,
1: no, like, <laughs> no, please no. do, please do, because I mean, there will be an error somewhere because no election. It's going to be a fun election party no election can get everything spot on true, but, true. Uh, of course
0: of course
1: maybe i'll we'll do a section at the end actually where i'll talk about what i think are any potential errors sure. that could be fun because if i'm right i can share them on my linkedin and cloud
0: Here's <laughs> me opposite, saying can... exactly what was going to happen and if can... not, i'll put it on my linkedin i will tag you and i'll say yeah and great
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> welcome to the channel um, uh demographic demographic drift. So mm-hmm. this election, it actually does matter because hey. Biden flips the rust belt. Remember, these are very small demographic changes, but as I showed earlier, he only won the rust belt in the in the decimal points of percentage points. Sure. Um, so they actually show that the Democrats are elite ahead. You know, um, if you hold everything else equal, so they start in the head, yeah. and then you can see here these are the states. Three states that well Republican held where mm-hmm. the swings the biggest in favor of the Democrats. So Texas, two point nine points. That I think half the Democrat lead, uh, the Republican lead there from 2016 already.
0: Jeez.
1: Um Georgia's the same, and then Florida that pushes it also into Democrat hands. So it really, you know, if you look at this now, you think, hang on a minute, this also benefits Democrats. Sure. One of the things that went wrong in 2016, are starting to, you're starting to think, hang on,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's just going in the right direction for Democrats sure. too. Yeah, as as I say here, the Democrats start ahead due to the demographics. So they're already in the lead. Before, yeah, you know, sure. if, you're ever, if yeah. you ever pick this candidate, you're already winning. you defend actually mm-hmm. defending. Um, and they pick Biden who swings white working class voters. The issue is, of course, uh, you know, what's the turnout? Who knows? We, yeah. we, we, we genuinely will not know until the election day because all signs in terms of what, what um most research companies are doing, are they're asking people how enthusiastic they are to vote, yeah. how much this election means to them, and it's the highest ever in terms of recording. Wow. Um, I think the lowest ever, there is correlation too, I think the lowest ever was in 2000, where lots of voters didn't see much difference between Al Gore and George Bush, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I understand why, in terms of compassionate conservatism and centrist democrats. Mm, mm. Whereas now, I, I yeah, think yeah, now it's you know,
0: there's yeah. there's some real. Um, even if you're not going to talk policy, you're just going to talk like attitude. There is real difference, um, and and I think a lot of the time you look at American politics, a lot of voters will ignore policy and they they, they sort of lean towards you know personality, these sort of like um, valence things. However. With COVID, especially, this is probably one election where it's it's almost impossible for your average American to ignore policy because, like, everyone knows someone who's been hit by this.
1: And that's actually a really interesting point in the sense that the COVID, in terms of imperfect information for voters, COVID is a perfect test for competence, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and it gives voters a lot more information about how competent are you as a government. Have mm-hmm. you coped with the threat that every other country is also faced with? Um, But yeah, the key takeaway here is 2016 went badly because low turnout swing in white working class slightly, and particularly so in the Rust Belt, and demographic drift hadn't happened yet. And in this election, the demographic drift happened, or happened enough to make a difference this time. White working class swing back towards the Democrats, and um, turnout looks like it's going to be bigger. So you Know if you assign that to geographical areas, you've got the demographic drift helps in the south, in Florida, in Georgia, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then minority groups, um, help in North Carolina, particularly so, also help in the Rust Belt, where uh, black voters actually are, so black voters can you can split in two as well, where you have more educated, younger black voters in the south, and you have less educated, poorer, older ones in the north.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure,
1: but that also helps. In the north too. And then Mm. swing vote itself in the West Belt too. So everywhere is looking good for Democrats in terms of uniform national Mm -hmm. swing, really, where people just prefer Biden to Trump.
0: Everyone's riding to Biden, baby. That's all we're saying.
1: (laughs) It's really difficult to think, you know, (laughs) if Trump wins in you know, what am I gonna be saying in two weeks? So and try and build up a narrative around Mm. him.
0: So for those of us, you know, like me and you are going to be doing when we're staying on watching the watching the election, you know, Budweiser's and hot dogs in hand. Where, what are the main states? I think the, the, what are the main states people should be keeping an eye on? Where, where are the key places for people to, you know, to watch with with excitement, uh, which are going to be sort of the deciders of this election, do you think?
1: Um, so I'll give two different answers. There's the elections that matter the most in terms of Trump needs to win them to keep his sure. place in the White House. And secondly, the ones to watch on the night. Yeah. The, 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 the state that I think is huge is Pennsylvania. Because mm-hmm. um, Trump can't really win unless he wins either Pennsylvania or Florida. Okay. And even if he wins Florida, he's probably going to lose Arizona. And North Carolina is iffy and Georgia is iffy. So Florida is a really narrow path. He really needs to win mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Because if he wins Pennsylvania, then he's got two sort of opportunities to sort of pick and mix from the north and the south. Sure. Um, but sadly, Pennsylvania is probably not going to be reported on the night. So probably no. gonna have to wait a couple of days. Okay. So on the night, what will be interesting because you can sort of see the demographic changes is if Texas takes a while to cool. Oh, yeah.
0: So
1: if Texas is too close to cool after, you know, and they're halfway through counting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you you can start to think, oh, hang on a minute, something's happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, You'll get a general vibe in the Rust Belt. You know, if if Michigan's won by ten points, Biden's going to be president.
0: Sure. <laughs> if Michigan's
1: won by three points, we don't know. Mm-hmm. If Michigan's too close to Cole, it's you know.
0: Yeah. Moving on now. So if Trump does somehow win this election, you know the American people aren't riding with Biden as much as we thought. What what are we going to see? What is going to be happening? You know, what is what is the what is it going to be looking like? Well,
1: that's essentially why I'm so sure that he can't win, because you've always got to try and build up the opposite narrative to see how plausible does it sound. So in 2016, sitting here, you would say, well, what about Obama's uh, appeal amongst minorities I means mm-hmm. they fall apart and white working class voters matter a lot? You'd go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas now with Trump, you think he's, he's losing everywhere. So, so what can he do? There's, there's a few things. Maybe there'll be an October surprise in the next week. You yeah, know,
0: of course, the classic.
1: We don't know. Um, maybe Biden's turns off young people across the board, but I can't see it happening.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it would take something really big, especially yeah. considering that a lot of the motivation for this election isn't we like Biden, it's we hate Trump.
1: Exactly. And also, what if there's a, a palaver with the mail-in ballots? I think that's the most mm-hmm. plausible is...
0: Yeah, it's some real ballot. election tampering, really
1: or just chaos too yeah i mean you know it's unprecedented in terms of the the, the mm-hmm. scale of it and there might just be there there'll be chaos and court cases and yeah, late yeah, yeah. i think that's the nice clause was hang on a minute we'll be sitting here in two and a half weeks time going hang on a minute why yeah. did we ever think it's going to be straightforward mailing all these ballots
0: there mm-hmm. is it's 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 almost strange like when we're doing you know we're doing this analysis we're looking at demographics But there is such just a a looming, you know, um, I guess uh, what's it called? Like a looming, like threat to our analysis, which is just the the, how different this election is playing out. You know, a lot of states, whilst a lot of states do have, you know, quite quite robust, you know, mail-in voting, you know, systems, a lot don't. This is really the first time that a lot of states have are having any sort of apparatus, and especially when it's such a charged time. I could see there definitely being intentional or not a lot of. shithousery yeah. Electoral but, shithousery yeah.
1: But I think that's the strength of Biden is the lack of path of a narrative really to Trump in terms of
0: mm-hmm.
1: what could go wrong. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah. What would it take?
1: Famous last words, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't. Yeah, you see, I'm I'm fairly sure because he's doing well across the board, Biden, and that's the key. Is he has two paths to the. He has three paths really to the White House. He has his primary path, which was his strategy this time last year, which was convert the Rust Belt and forget it. So we'll we'll flip Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan, and uh, Pennsylvania. And who cares if I get anything in Florida or Arizona? Mm-hmm. Or you can say let's get the East Coast and get North Carolina, Florida, Pennsylvania, maybe. Or you can get the Sun Belt with Arizona, Texas, Georgia, Florida. Any of those paths can work and he's also favorite to win any of those paths. Mm-hmm. So there's three paths, clear paths yeah. for Biden and,
0: and he might look quite Biden and I guess the know, one where we would see a Trump win would be it falls down to court cases, loads of ballots got lost you know yeah. um, which is something you know we just we can't really model for is it. Uh-huh.
1: But that's So I can sort of see if they in the Sun Belt, I can see him losing Florida, Texas, Georgia. I was like you know, he could lose all the states in the Sun mm-hmm. Belt, and yeah. that would be the polls don't suggest this. But if they, if that happens and the polls get it wrong, you can still go. I think he'll still win the election in the North.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But so that's why I'm prioritizing when I'm looking at the state polls. Look at Pennsylvania because if he's winning Pennsylvania, he'll he's winning the Rust Belt,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: if he's winning the Rust Belt, he's winning the election. Sure. as long as pennsylvania stays above five point lead for biden that's outside the margin of error yeah that means we can be confident that biden's going to win
0: amazing well then hopefully not famous last words
1: it could be a fun watch back in a couple of years time
0: (laughs) just gonna play that sound clip on repeat very loudly yeah oh that is amazing right then this has been a deep dive into um electoral demographics electoral study from 2016 to 2020 matt thanks so much for coming on doing this there is a twitter account slash website the link will be in the description for uh matt you do a lot of you know election analysis stuff in your spare time and they're all going to be there so check the link below it'll be the first link in the description i'd recommend everyone clicking on that uh matt thanks so much for coming on
1: thank you very much to you been a pleasure
0: perfect thanks for watching.